Hey guys, welcome to another episode of My Secret Atheist Podcast. On this episode, we've got a great interview with Isabel Narayana, who is a Pastafarian. Recently, Isabel ran into problems at the Motor License Issuing Office. This is the SAAQ in Quebec. She was asked to take off her spaghetti colander, or rather spaghetti strainer hat, while Muslims and other people of accepted religions are allowed to keep these items on during the picture-taking process. I also want to make it clear that during the interview, Isabel expresses an opinion about the hijab. I totally respect this opinion and also the opinions that have been made on prior shows about this, but I want to make it clear to the listener that my own personal opinion is a little different than what's been expressed so far. I'm currently working on a future program that will hopefully be able to explain this a little better. Now, without further ado, let's go to the interview with Isabel. Isabel, thanks a lot for being on this week's show. You're welcome. Tell me a little bit about Pastafarianism. You are a uh, practicing Pastafarian. Absolutely. Well, what I know of Pastafarianism is that um, our divinity is the flying spaghetti monster. And uh, our prophet is Bobby Henderson, who um, revived the religion in 2005. Of course, our religion dates from the creation of the universe because Flying Spaghetti Monster created it. He created uh, the world in three days. The most important thing to remember about Pastafarianism, certainly the message our prophet Bobby Henderson would like to uh, um, spread, is that um, he wrote a letter to the Kansas school board because at the time there were four states in the southern United States where fundamentalist Christians wanted evolution to not be taught in schools, that only Genesis, only intelligent design be taught. And so Bobby wrote a letter saying that if the children were to be taught a religion, it would have to be the right one, the truth with a big T, and that's to say that the world was created by the flying spaghetti monster. So, okay, so being an atheist, that's a little hard for me to swallow, but I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll keep going for, for now. So I think that this might be sort of a, um, a misunderstanding with a, a lot of um, atheists and religious people, because I think that you have... You have two schools of thought, maybe. You have atheists, a lot of atheists who really dig the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. I know I want to buy the book, the Gospels, and and I, I just see it as being an absolutely brilliant parody, I guess, of, of religion. That's the way I first thought of it, right, when I saw it. And I think that's the way it's sold to a lot of people. So, um, and, and, and so that... That meant that when I saw people, you know, like, for instance, the gentleman in, in British Columbia who's fighting to uh, get his, uh, 
his colander, his his hat on 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 the uh, his uh, driver's license. You know, I can't help but think that's an awful lot of trouble for someone to do that for a gag, you know, or to, or to make a point. But what you're saying is that there are a number of hardcore believers in the religion. That's right. And uh, it may be surprising that I've become one uh, because I, my background is in sciences, so I'm supposed to be rational. But Something overcame me, and uh, yes, I truly believe in the flying spaghetti monster. There were miracles, which never happened when I was a Catholic. He, uh, he, he makes me feel really happy. So some part of my brain has sort of uh, started to believe in him. Does the religion have like different, um, different levels? Is there a hierarchy to this religion? I think like a lot of religions, there are people who are perhaps more orthodox, others who are just uh, uh, sympathizers, if you like. Uh, some people are more devout, and others are just uh, happy to to claim to be pastafarians. So tell me a little bit about the story, because I guess what got me um, interested in you was uh, there was a... Um, there was a court case that occurred, and can you give me a little background about like what led up to the uh, court case where I think a Quebec, a Quebec judge decided that your case was, I guess, a waste of time? Can you give me some background on that? Yes, it's a long story, but I'm a bit like Obi uh, Canuel, whom you mentioned, the fellow from Surrey. In my case, uh, I was a closet pastafarian because uh, I believe faith is something that should be private. But with the elections here, when uh, the uh, Charter of Quebec values was sort of lost, that is, people decided that religion was important and ostentatious religious symbols were okay, I thought, well, this is my chance to make known my beautiful religion. So I decided to go for my driver's license with a natty little dish rag pirate schmata, as I call it, a little uh, scarf. And um, my photo was taken. My license was uh, fine. They even renewed it for the mentioned W. That is, uh, when you can't, you don't want to go to the states, uh, they issue a new license with the mentioned W because I have my class one. So I thought everything was fine until my health card was to be renewed. They summoned me to the SAQ. I didn't know why, and I stupidly went and was told that my picture had to be taken anew. I said, why? They said, you have to remove your headgear. And I said, I will remove my headgear with pleasure when all other people with ostentatious religious headgear take their headgear off. Mr. Paquette at the Henry Barassa SAEQ got very angry and he said, you remove it now or I cancel your driver's license. And he said it, you know, a bit like, you remove your shirt, you remove your pants now. I have all the power in the world and you do as I say. So I thought, well, everybody needs a driver's license, and this is a bit abuse of power. So I asked him, I'm going to consult a lawyer, and 
if I need to, then I will take off my headgear, but I want to consult a lawyer. So he said, okay, you have until the 14th of May to come back and take the picture without your headgear or you lose your license. And so that's why I consulted uh, Julius Gray, who accepted my case. So they, that case was brought to the court. Well, okay, hold on. So did 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 that's when things get kind of complicated. So you, your lawyer Julius Gray, he 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 represented you. Um, I guess you said behind closed doors. That is, I'm not sure if it was him or his daughter uh, Genevieve, because um, unfortunately uh, I was not present. I was present at a three and a half hour sort of interrogation by um, a lawyer from the SAAQ and the attorney of the province because the case had been sort of um, delayed. At first, the SAAQ lawyer, who was a woman, um, said she'd gotten into a car accident and then uh, it was delayed again and then we another lawyer was put on the case and I had that three and a half hour interrogation. So I was present there to answer their questions, but at the actual, I guess, request for a hearing or for a trial, um, I was not there and that's where the judge uh, refused it. So let me get this straight because I think there was, a, based on the story that I read, it it sounded like because there was no context, I guess it sounded like you just sort of, you know, gallantly marched in with your with your um, pirate uniform, and uh, and it sounded like, according to the story, it sounded like you marched in with a pirate hat too, and you just walked into the SAAQ and said, "Okay, out of the blue, um, I'd like to have my license now," and uh, but. Is that the case or or not? Did you already no. have a picture of yourself in similar garb? I had a picture of myself with the little pirate scarf. And I had it since uh, 2012. And like I said, in 2013, they renewed the uh, uh, license themselves by adding the mention W. So I thought everything was fine. And when I went to get my health card, I again put the little pastafarian scarf and the picture was taken with it so I don't understand why Mr. Paquette couldn't just give leave me my license it was good till 2018 okay so basically your license wasn't due to expire yet and he decided that the picture that was on the license was unacceptable and that he wanted to have it changed right and I couldn't understand why because ostentatious religious symbols seem to be uh, so okay. It sounds like what you're saying is, I mean, other. I, I heard other people saying that this is some sort of waste of, of funds, but I mean, uh, it strikes me that it's kind of a waste of money to redo a perfectly good license. And it was certainly a waste of my time because as you know, at the SAQ, the waiting lines are very long. Especially over there at that, and you have to get to that place too. It's not fun. It's not fun, and I had to go several times. No, I was I was quite disappointed, and I thought, why is he doing this? Why does he have total power? I think because he he knows people need their driver's license, and in fact, um, 
I'd gone to have my picture taken for the motorcycle license. And as I was having my picture taken, there was a young Haitian woman next to me who was told, we can't take your photograph because she had uh, tresses, you know, she had... Um, is, is this hair extensions? Hair or? extensions, okay. exactly. They were black. And she was very elegant. She had long fingernails and a beautiful purse. And they said, you'll have to come back when you've cut your hair. Wow. And so she was horrified. And she said, but this cost me a fortune. And of course, uh, these extensions are expensive and well, take a long a, time. It's also, it's also sort of a cultural thing. It can be a cultural thing in certain communities where women, I mean, almost exclusively wear their hair I, I i would be you know i would be interested what the situation is let's say for an orthodox jewish woman who you know they often cut their hair short wear wigs and right. um will wear uh, veil type things on top but that's accepted because the saq recognizes uh, hasidic jews as uh, having a, a proper religion in this case the young lady was not uh, showing any signs of religion, just coquetry. She was just, just being elegant. But they considered her extensions a headgear that was neither religious nor medical. And that's when I, because I overheard this, I said, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to um, g get involved with something that doesn't really concern me. But I said, we can see this young lady's face perfectly. This is how her friends recognize her. This is what she'll be wearing if a policeman uh, stops her. And I said, elegant as she is, even if you force her to cut her hair for the photograph, she will immediately go back and, and get uh, extensions put in because that's her identity. And I said, half the women here are wearing veils. We can't see the contour of their faces. And yet that's acceptable. I guess... Um, some of the blowback or some, some of the um, criticism that I noticed, even from atheists, fellow atheists, was they say, you know, it's really simple. Uh, it's such a waste of, of state money. Um, you know, why not only allow real religions to have, uh, to have this right or this privilege, rather, to, to wear the, this headgear? And um, it, it becomes a really slippery slope for me, it becomes very arbitrary because, um, you know, what do you do with, uh, pick any other um, religion with not that many adherents, right? Like, uh, what happens, I don't know, if the Raelians want to come in and they want to wear gowns or something, Or right? the Begum, because in Surrey, in, in British Columbia, um, there was a woman, uh, the Begums are a Christian sect, and they wear a little diadem, a little crown, she won her case, uh, but I say the real waste of taxpayers' money is if somebody wants to wear something on their head and it does not um, interfere with facial recognition, why have committees? Why make such a fuss? Why have pictures taken over again uh, if it doesn't interfere with road safety? So in a sense, I mean, in a sense it sounds like you're, you, you have no beef with... Uh with Muslim women who want to wear their veils and, and, and get their picture taken, so long as the rules are just level between everybody, regardless That's of it. religion That's or it. no religion. That's it. Well, actually, if I may say so, I find the uh, Islamic veil quite offensive because to me, 
and this I'm not speaking as a pastafarian, but as as Isabel. Um, it's a symbol for me, like the uh, um, like the uh, Nazi uh, symbols. It's a symbol of Sharia law. It's a symbol that is offensive because many women died or were beaten or raped because they refused to wear the veil. So it's an offensive symbol for me. But I say, if they want to wear offensive symbols, that's their business. I want to wear a symbol of pleasure and equality. And if they're going to let them wear their symbols of oppression, then I want to have the right to wear my symbol of happiness. So the, the judge threw the case out. Is, is, there any, is there any path now, or, or are you just... I mean, did, you got your, your, your picture, but you only got your picture through a... Uh, so some, some, I guess, basically saying that you were something you were not. Is that correct? Uh, how did you eventually get the picture? I don't think we covered that. No. What happened is that I realized I was going to lose my license, uh, and I needed a license for my job. So I thought, well, they don't accept the little pirate dish rag, but I will go dressed as another pirate. I will dress as Saida al-Hura, who was a Muslim pirate, queen of pirates, uh, in Tetuan, in Morocco. So she ruled the Mediterranean, the western side. No, let me get that straight. I think, well, Barbarossa was uh, on the eastern side, and she was on the western side of the Mediterranean. She ruled from about 1530 to 1560. And so I thought, well, this way I'm fulfilling what Monster wants. I'm dressed as a pirate. And let's see if they will reject it because I'm not Muslim. And I was sure they would reject it not only because I'm not Muslim, but because there's an obscene drawing on the back of the hijab. But they didn't see it. They took my photograph, and uh, that's what the judge accepted. What, what was the obscene drawing? <laughs> I'll show it to you. <laughs> Okay, we'll have to get a picture of this. Well, no, I think you're going to get to fatwa if you do. It's really quite obscene. Oh, I see. Okay, so... So I can't wear it in public. Ba basically, yeah. Basically, it is it is a rated X image. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's, it's black... It's black on green, so I can see where from a distance they might not have noticed it. That's it. You have to look closely. At this point, then, I mean, you have your license. I, I, I guess we wait another four years or something until, or however many years until this it might, it could occur again, right? Yes. And, well, because I was mostly scared of the arguments that would be, you don't wear your little a little dish rag pirate scarf all the time. Indeed, because my employer forbade me from wearing it. But I do wear it every day, a half hour before my prayers. And then I was afraid also that they'd say uh, that my faith was not sincere. But what they accepted was a symbol. Yes, my faith was sincere, but they were convinced I was Muslim. And they asked me no questions about Islam, whereas they'd asked me so many questions about pastafarianism. And I said, well, all the time I was Catholic, you gave me my driver's license since I was 16. 
and you never once asked me any questions about the Bible or the Holy Mother Mary or any of that. Why now all these questions about Pastafarianism? You know, uh, if I may interject, uh, that's something I've noticed before, and that's that um, when you have social norms like this, um, a lot of people aren't really interested in whether or not you actually believe in these things. They just want you to toe the line and 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 go go with the flow, right? Right. So, and and in many, uh, you know, for what I've read, in many of these countries, some of these uh, Middle Eastern countries, et cetera, et cetera atheists and maybe pastafarians who knows in these countries um they're expected to just sort of say sink in the woodwork and just as long as you just shut up wear your veil or wear your wear your whatever you're good right right that's it we're not interested in you know you will you will say that you believe these things and that's it Right. So that that's kind of where where I'm getting at there. So in the future, it sounds like this sort of thing might I mean it might happen again. I mean, I hope it wouldn't. I I posted on my blog actually that for me it would be much better if if the government just simply said, "Look, um it, let's just save all of our time and um exactly, if visibility isn't impaired, if uh, then then wear wear whatever you like. Uh, hairstyles change you know, on cold days. People are wearing scarves and and what have you, all bundled up. Yeah. So why not to uh, you know why not just be realistic? I mean, people are identified mainly by their faces as well. I mean, by most people. Yeah. So actually, the question should be why the obsession by the drivers' licensing bureaus? Why this? It reminds me of the sumptuary laws, you know, dictating what you can and cannot wear. And like you say, conformism. People are upset by people um, who are different. You're upsetting the apple cart. You're you're just not towing the line. And yet, to me. You know, I'm quite prepared to go undercover and be discreet. And I find that the driver's license is a very discreet way of, of making our religion be known because it's in your wallet, in your pocket, and you only show it to security guards or police people uh, once in a while. And so they're the ones who need a, a laugh most of all. So I figure there's nothing harmful about it, but it really upset Mr. Paquette. Yeah, so I guess it might upset certain certain judge, people in authority. The judge seemed to be completely emotional and quite angry. And what worried me was that he hinted that uh, it was almost blasphemy. So I hope uh, Bill uh, 59 doesn't come in and that I won't be dragged like one of our Pastafarian brothers in Greece who was jailed. Really? Yes, for... Uh, having a site on Facebook called Elder Pastitios. So what is that? There's an Orthodox monk or some legend, and the Greeks are very attached to Elder... uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but it it sounds like Pastitios, which is a macaroni-based dish uh, that (laughs) is eaten traditionally in Greece. So uh, by making a, a Facebook page of Elder Pastitios... This fellow, who's not identified, I've seen his name only once. the 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 story has seemed to gone have gone underground because um, he was jailed because the Orthodox 
church, which is actually very aligned with the neo-Nazis, with a movement called New Dawn, um, asks that he be uh, jailed for blasphemy. A lot of pastafarians are fighting the blasphemy laws. As you may know, the Pirate Party, which is not necessarily pastafarian, but being pirates, there's a good chance some of their members are, uh, in Iceland, was one of the first countries to repeal the blasphemy laws. Right, exactly. So in that respect, it's kind of interesting that you have some overlap there between uh, a lot of secularists and the secularist atheist community. So it's, it's interesting. Um, when you have true secularism and when you have, uh, you, you can have different people from different religious backgrounds or no religion fighting for the same thing. I mean, um, even, I'm, I'm certain that even moderate Muslims and some other people would be interested in, in the same thing, the same uh, kind of secularism. And the thing is that you don't have to, I know some religious people who think my atheism is just as crazy as as my reaction to the flying spaghetti monster where I, I'm like, I'm sorry, but you seem, you're a very rational person, but when you tell me this flying spaghetti monster thing, my brain just wants to leap out of my ear, right? Right, right. But that's <laughs> so, faith. That's the problem with faith. It makes no sense, but either you believe or you don't. And the thing is, the thing with that is, though, that regardless of faith and regardless of, of these things, um, I think that people in the uh, in the atheist community and also, if, if you can say a community, and people in, in, in pastafarians and, and other people from faith backgrounds can definitely get together and fight together and say, look, uh, you know, I, it's the same. I mean, it's the same as, a, as a, let's say, a Catholic and a Muslim fighting for, uh, for secularism. Yes. They're like, look, you've got tenets of your religion that I, I think are, I either don't believe in or I privately won't say it, but I privately think is kind of kooky. Right. Right. And the same thing is true uh, for the other person. So, I mean, that's the thing is it, that's how you get things done. And, um, you know, when you've got uh, when you've got on the one hand, you've got, uh, you know, uh, folks, uh, you know, fundamentalist Christians, mostly in the conservative uh, pack. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're they all sometimes I think of them almost as the Borg. They're they're all in lockstep. They all believe, in, and that makes a very powerful force, right? Yes. The majority of people could not buy into what they're saying, but it's because they're so um, convinced. They're so convinced, and they're also all they're all doing the same thing. They're all believing the same thing. They get things done, whereas other people, it's like uh, other groups, it's like herding cats. Yes, because well. You know, science is showing that a lot of these fundamentalists have their brain is wired a certain way. They lack the bridge between the two hemispheres. Uh, they don't like nuance. They don't like things uh, that are complicated or what seems contradictory. And so they don't doubt, you know, we have to kill so-and-so. They don't believe, they don't act like us, and that's it. Whereas somebody who's more, who doubts more, I think it's, Bertram Russell, who said that people who were more uh, um, cautious and so forth couldn't get things done. Of course not, because you're weighing the pros, the cons. You see people's points of view. 
and therefore you're less likely to act out in you know spontaneously and out of anger because in fact the fundamentalists, it's thought that they're acting out of frustration because they can't Or, or disgust. Yeah, well, it hurts their brain to think of things that are contradictory, and so they get angry and frustrated. So, Isabel, thanks so much for being on the show. You're very welcome. And uh, ramen. Ramen. Awesome. <laughs> Rock on. Thus concludes another episode of My Secret Atheist Podcast. Music is by Earth vs. The World by The Polish Ambassador and Behind the Seas by Possumist. Both are available for download at freemusicarchive.com. Thanks for listening and tally-ho.